today on CityCast Denver. Asylum seekers are still showing up in Denver by the busload. The mayoral race just got a little more tattered. And 2023 is gearing up for another big e-bike summer. My producer Paul Caroli and I are talking through all those stories and more of the news you need to know. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Bree. I think you have something you want to talk to me about. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I I heard... I heard a very interesting rumor, maybe conspiracy theory over the weekend that I want to hear your opinion about. Okay. So, you know that like Denver tradition that you're not supposed to take down your Christmas lights till after the stock show? Yeah, I have conflicted feelings about that, but yes. Oh, what are your feelings about it? I mean, I'm a Christmas person, but after New Year's, it's like, it's kind of over, you guys. And like, Mm. I want to get my old dead tree out of my house and I don't want to be, you know what, I don't know. It just seems like too long. So I am as as hardcore of a Denverite as I am. I take my Christmas lights down uh, during the New Year's, like sort of weekend before we come back to work. But dang, okay. Well, you might be into this then, because and also I have absolutely no factual basis for this. Totally conspiracy <laughs> theory, but I heard that this whole thing was started by Excel, by our energy providers, as a way to like drive up business. I mean, isn't that a perfect conspiracy theory? <laughs> yes, and it makes me feel better about my decision already. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, listeners, I guess if you have any evidence to support that or or the alternative, please let us know. Let us know. (laughs) Let us know what you think. What do you do? What do you feel like we should do? Hmm. Um, I'm also a person that like wants to put my Christmas stuff up, like at least at Thanksgiving, maybe a little earlier because I don't care that much about Halloween, but Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? How long do we need? Does it need to be a multi month long thing? I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I mean, I'm not putting stuff up anyway. <laughs> That's true. I was like, I've been by your house. You don't have any decor. So, uh, okay, well, let's start with a, sort of an ongoing story that I think most of us here in Denver are following is the situation with um, migrants and asylum seekers that started showing up in early December by the busload. And the the city's been trying to help these people as best as, as they can. But Paul, where are we with this right now? What are we, January? We're, you know, second week of January. What's going on? Yeah, there's actually been a really interesting development on this since uh, we talked about it last week. Um, Well, one, the numbers keep going up. Since since December 9th, we're now at almost 4,000 migrants and asylum seekers, mostly from Central America that have showed up in Denver. Um, Like you said, the city's been mobilizing shelters, asking around, does anyone have any space where we could, you know, give these people a safe, warm place to sleep at night. Um, But it still hasn't been enough. And so last week, Governor Jared Polis said that um, because 70% of the migrants arriving in Denver don't have Colorado as a final destination, he started sending them by the busload to New York City and Chicago. Yeah. Which... Was very interesting because the whole we were always speculating like, is this just like are they only coming here because of like Republican governors doing publicity stunts, which turned out not to be the case. But now Polis is sort of 
doing that same thing, just passing the buck along. Anyway, after we talked last week, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and New York City Mayor Eric Adams sent a joint letter to Polis warning that they were also struggling to handle this issue. And then apparently the three of them had a a phone call on Saturday and Polis agreed to stop. So he is no longer going to be doing this. And they're all now asking for a, a federal solution that responds to this crisis. Which I think is great. That is what we need. I, I am a little confused uh, as to why that phone call happened after he started doing it. I I mean... Instead of like, hey, a heads he, up. Yeah. There's going to be some busloads of people coming from Denver. Right. Like it happened to us. It's been hard for us to handle. Why would we want to not set other cities up for success in supporting these folks? You know? Yeah. So, I know, this is why I'm not a politician. For what it's worth, Mayor Hancock has also weighed in. Kind of odd that he hadn't been a part of any of these discussions as well. <laughs> right. But he, he said, um, in a statement, he said that states and cities not on the border are ill-equipped to address these challenges. And absent federal support and leadership, we're left to strategize and take actions to ensure this vulnerable population, uh, people who have come here with no resources or means, are safe and treated humanely. I appreciate Governor Polis and the state for leaning in to support those coming to our city to reach their preferred destinations so he he basically is supporting polis all the way through sure sure which mm-hmm. I, I would make sense to me I, I mean if we were at odds if our governor and mayor were at odds this would be an even uglier situation yeah migration patterns are as old as humans are um sometimes they're forced based on political situations or economic situations but um this is part of humanity and these arbitrary sort of geographical boundaries and barriers we set up don't always work for what humanity really needs. So it's a complicated situation. I do empathize with our leadership. I think they're trying as best they can. And I think if anything that other than sort of sending people to another place without warning, we have been really empathetic and trying to support people as best as possible. Again, I, I gave the city credit for like asking people in the community to help, you know, Temple Emanuel has been this sort of way station for folks. They're doing incredible work. Mm. And I, you know what I mean? A lot of, it's a lot of times faith-based groups that are helping with matters like this and they're doing a wonderful job as well. Folks working in these shelters and these like sort of makeshift situations are doing wonderful too. So it's not that we're not trying. Yeah. Regis University also is another one that's opened up some of their, some space for people to stay in. So it does feel like people are coming together, but I guess just not enough. Yeah, for sure. And hey, this is Bree. I'm popping in hours after we recorded this Monday morning because there seems to have been a major development in this story. Denverite reports that Mayor Hancock has ordered the city to begin decommissioning rec centers as emergency shelters. The city has also begun telling migrants that they can only stay in emergency shelters for 14 days. A spokesperson added, quote, they'll get tapped into resources that'll help them move on in their journey and either transition them to other shelter locations or reunify them with family members either in Denver, in Colorado, or out of state. Okay, well. The race is on. <laughs> we have another person uh, who's announced their run for mayor. Paul, who, who is that person? I thought this was surprising. I would never have guessed that this person was going to run. Kwame Spearman, the new CEO of Tattered Cover, who, as part of a new ownership group, bought our iconic bookstore chain a couple of years ago and has been running it for two years, kind of like pulling it out of bankruptcy and leading it through this big expansion across the front range. Like they have now have a shop in the Springs. There's one in DIA. He says, next thing for me is be the mayor. He wants Uh. to be the mayor now. I am fascinated by what folks think qualifies them to lead a city. 
I'm not saying this about Kwame. I'm saying about the general pool. We've got like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 20 something people running. Um, I think one of them has municipal government experience. I'm thinking of like Debbie Ortega might be. Right. Our longtime city council person, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who's worked in the city of Denver um, in a lead in an elected leadership position for a long time. But there's a lot of folks running. And I wonder what the thought process is, because running a city is very complicated. So, well, I don't know. Add them to the list. Yep. There's 20, 24, 25. I, I honestly don't know how many. I have a list somewhere. It's somewhere in the 20s, the amount of people running. At least two dozen. I always think about, too, how Patty told us, uh, Patty Calhoun told us that Hickenlooper didn't jump in till January. And he had some real spiffy commercials. He got in front of people. And so it's it's not impossible. Kwame mm-hmm. has just enough of a chance as I think any of these other folks do. Um, one other note from the mayor's race. I mean, on Friday, we were talking about how important it is for politicians to be involved in the stock show and to like embrace that aspect of our economy and that community. And Kelly Bruff, mayoral candidate Kelly Bruff, not no more than a few hours after that episode posted, posted a picture of herself in uh, full on Western wear. <laughs> tweeting about how her grandparents had participated in this community and how she loved the stock show. And (laughs) it was so so funny. I was trying to think about this. How would it, how would this feel to me in my community? If some, if someone running for office decided to put on my attire and -hmm. look like me. And so that in that, in that regard, it would be a musician. So to me, it would be like if a politician just got on stage, like wearing a guitar, like a purse and was like, I'm here. I love you guys. Just like I holding know it kind of wrong and awkwardly. Yeah, like, and that's, I was just trying to like really identify with the folks that actually work in agriculture and, and livestock and do all this stuff year round. Like, how does this feel for them? Because for me, it feels a little hinky. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I don't know. I doubt anybody's going to be cosplaying, you know, at the UMS or something. I don't know. Just something to think about. Again, we can look at all the things that these folks with political aspirations are doing on stage. It's really what matters is looking into what they value, what their stances are on our our bigger issues in the city, what they want to do, what they think the city isn't doing right. I mean, there's a lot of things that will tell us much more than how somebody looks in a cowboy hat. Yeah. And we are going to be talking to these people about all of those things, hopefully soon. Um, yeah. We'll get to work on that. Um, but another note from the mayor's race. I want to hear your take on this, Bree. Um, the streets were really snowy and icy last week. It's oh. mostly melted over the weekend, but some of our mayoral candidates were talking about this, <laughs> about changes they might want to make to our plowing situation. Chris Hansen, for one, he tweeted last week, streets don't plow themselves and the city of Denver rarely plows them either. For days after every snowstorm, huge swaths of the city are left to fend for themselves. No plows, no de-icing, no matter how much snow. Bree, how do you feel about the snow being a... Uh, an issue in this race. Uh, well, welcome to Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a little disingenuous to me to just jump in with that hot take and think that people are going to take you seriously. I mean, as much as I pick on the city all the time, I imagine they have a little bit of a plan. It doesn't mean they're doing it perfectly. I think if anything, what came out of this conversation for me that was most important was our friend Jonathan Stalls, who's been on the show before. Um, he does pedestrian advocacy. That to me is the worst part. It isn't just that our roads are icy. It's that where does the snow go? Mm, usually ends up on the sidewalk, turns into an iceberg. I've talked about this before. I have seen people 
walking and using their wheelchairs down Alameda because whole blocks have not been been shoveled by the property owners. <clears throat> Starbucks, I'm looking at you. You are a corporation. I think you could hire someone <laughs> to shovel your walk. So I, I think it's worth a nuanced conversation. The Twitter hot takes, the folks with Twitter brain that were talking about this were just unbelievably off base. Uh, I think that we're going to talk more about it because the city definitely probably needs to step up here, but we need to have a bigger conversation. Look, we just we just did a, the, our last election. Denver deserves sidewalks. We do. Who's going to plow that? Who's mm-hmm. going to take care of that? We've got a bigger conversation that needs to be happening, and it doesn't need to be happening on Twitter, and it doesn't need to be finger-waving from political candidates saying, I could do better, but I don't actually have a plan. I'm sorry. Just stay out of it until you have a real plan. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I think that'll be it's, – it's a much more interesting issue than I realized. I kind of had only ever engaged in the, the very surface level, but – like what, when to plow, how much to plow, right. when is the snow going to melt the ice? Like all of these things, there's so many factors that go into it. It's just like one of those issues that's way the more climate issue. Yeah. The climate angle. You know, I, I, it's so, it's just, to me, it's just so much more complicated and nuanced than shooting off a hot take on Twitter um, and thinking that folks are going to go, Oh, that's the person I want to vote for. Like yeah. do better by us. That's, that's just kind of rude to me. Yeah. Well, Nothing wrong with a little pandering. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We got time. The election's on April 4th. We're going to talk about all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we have some more fun, nice cultural things to talk about next. Uh, But we're going to take a break really quick before we do that. Love it. So we're back. We're talking about, I think, one of our favorite topics on this show, honestly. E-bike rebates. Yeah, probably. E-bike rebates are back starting January 31st. We say back because every time the city releases a new round of these, they get gobbled up in minutes. So obviously, (laughs) Denverites are into this idea. I love it. We did our e-bike ride. I had a great time. I think it's a complimentary part of our conversation about transit and mobility. It is not the end all be all. It is not this solitary answer, but it's something that Denverites are interested in. And I'm glad that the city is super into that. Paul, what do you think? Well, I mean, I I agree. I love talking about this. It's just a fun success story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what people need to know is how to do it, how to participate. And that's January 31st is when they open up again, 11 a.m. There's going to be 860 rebate vouchers available. Yes, that is a smaller number than last year, but that's only because last year it was so wildly successful uh, that the whole three-year budget was taken up in one year. Um, and yeah, we know we know that the climate office is working on getting more money for this. We know that the state government is working on funding more of these things. So hopefully that number is going to be a little higher um, later in the year and, and in the years to come. Um, something that I have just been dying to talk about because I'm so excited mm-hmm. is uh, Su Teatro, our arch, one of the Chicano theater companies in the country, paid off their mortgage. They own their building outright. Huge. How awesome is that? It's incredible. It's incredible. They set a three-year goal. I remember they announced it. I was at, I think I was at the the show. It was when they were doing um, Bobby Lefebvre's Northside play. Mm-hmm. They announced this this sort of what my friend Jamie Duffy at Youth on Record calls philanthropy at any level, which is asking the community to help take on this large task instead of 
looking for uh, investors or looking for grants and things, which they do also at Suteatro. But this said, hey, Denver, how do you help us pay off our mortgage? For $1,000, you can buy a seat in our theater. And if you don't have $1,000 right away, they had payment plans. You could pay monthly so your family could buy a seat. And with those $1,000 increments, they paid off a quarter million dollar mortgage. I This idea makes me feel so happy for Denver that we can, we can put our efforts towards um, supporting things in the city that matter to us. And obviously, Suteatro means something to people. Yeah, it's awesome. Clearly. Well, the part of this that I'm most excited about is um, the way they're celebrating. They're they're yes. hosting a uh, a mortgage burning in their parking lot on January 27th at 4 p.m. I love it. I love it. I am always <gasps> down for a celebratory public burning. A couch for a sports championship, burn a mortgage. I'm there. I love it. Also, if you haven't been to Suteatro yet, go down for the mortgage burning. They're also having like sort of a cocktail hour after to celebrate. Get to know the theater. You'll probably meet Tony Garcia, executive artistic director. We've had him on the show. He is such a lovely human being. I love talking to him. Go down there, meet him, find out what they're all about if you haven't been there before. If you're an old school Suteatro fan, go down and celebrate. This is a Santa Fe Drive gem that we get to celebrate not only existing, but like thriving. Yeah, it's one of those organizations that makes Denver special. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Bree. We have one last yeah. thing. Yes. Uh, I'm excited about this. This is something that I we hope to do more. Um, so if you want to participate, we're going to we're going to put a call out at the end, but I think it's time for a little bit of Denver advice. Because mm. Bree, we got a uh, a question from a listener named Molly S that I think you are uniquely suited to answer. Molly wrote in saying, "Quote I've been listening to your show for almost two years now. Thank you for putting out a great product and covering so many niche stories. Molly, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Denver transplant, originally from New Mexico. I would love if you did an episode about making friends in Denver. I've been here for six years and I have not been successful at making friends. I work from home, so I don't have the opportunity to make friends with coworkers. I go to a local group fitness gym near my house, but I can't seem to transition that sweet camaraderie to the outside world. So, Bree... What do you say to Molly? How do you make friends in Denver? Well, first of all, Molly, it is really hard to make friends as an adult. I think that that's important to know that you are definitely not alone. Um, again, a lot of our friends, I think, often come from work settings. I have some of my greatest friends are from my a million jobs I've had. But the pandemic definitely changed that for a lot of folks. And sometimes you're just not clicking with people at work for various reasons. So, what I recommend to you is some, I was thinking back about how have I made friends as an adult? And one of the greatest ways for me has been to be organizing or working with folks around a common goal. Um, so this can mean many things. And the thing, the ideas I'm going to give you are very specific to my tastes and my world, but I think you can apply them to whatever your interests are. Also, I'm a gym rat and I have like made one friend at the gym in like 20 years. So you're not alone in that sense. <laughs> It's just like not conducive, I think. I don't know. No, I fully agree. I would, I would never make friends at a gym. I, I can't imagine that. Like, what am I going to go say? Hey, do you need a spot? You need, do you need right. a spot? You over there? You need like a spot? I, I made friends in my boxing class at 20th Street Gym because like you have to work together with people. And I like really clicked with someone. Also, my boxing coach is Mo is like the coolest dude in the world. But like it was very rare. I agree with you, Paul. When I'm like lifting or I'm on the 
treadmill, I'm not going to talk to you. So Molly, you're not wrong in that not working. But when I say organizing around a common goal, I mean, finding volunteer opportunities that are in your vein of interest. So my friend Kaylin uh, Heffern ran for mayor a couple of years ago, and I was on her quote unquote staff. We were all volunteer. And I got to connect with folks who cared about something in the city that I cared about. And we got to work together towards this common goal. And those relationships lasted long outside of that um, thing. So this is a perfect season for that. Even if you're not a political person, there might be a candidate in this city or an initiative or something that's going on that's of interest to you. It's a honestly, it's a great way to meet people because you're all working on something together. And so maybe find that candidate, see if you can volunteer with them. Candidates are doing events all over the city. They need help. And again, that doesn't mean you have to get overtly political about things. It just means you're probably meeting people in your neighborhood or people that are in your sort of same political view. If you don't want to go the politics route, um, another thing I would say is volunteering um, there's a place called joy's kitchen and they put together food boxes and then they do food deliveries to folks across the city you can volunteer as much or as little time there as you want but when you're working side by side next to somebody who's cares about the same things you do you're most likely going to strike up a conversation with them so uh, again volunteer opportunities i think are the best way for us as adults but the key here is finding things that you care about and so I also think about um, Girls Rock Denver, which is a nonprofit here in Denver. I'm a music person. It's a music summer camp. It happens once a, once a year for one week. And volunteers come together and teach uh, young girls ages 8 to 18 how to form a band, play an instrument, write a song, and perform it. I would say over half of us that volunteer are not musicians. So you don't have to be a musician. We need we needed people of all kinds to just help with the camp. Um, also, Girls Rock Denver does events throughout the year for their volunteers. So there's meetups at breweries. There's meetups in parks. There's all kinds of things that keep people connected to that community. Lighthouse Writers Workshops. If you're a writer person, that's a great way to meet people. Youth on Record sometimes has volunteer opportunities. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Any of any festival, you're going to, they always need volunteers, street team people. So try to think of it as like going out and finding the things that you care about and knowing that if you consistently show up somewhere, and especially if you're working on something like a common goal, you're going to meet people who are like you. I, I, also, this is like a great story I was thinking about. My friend Erin Stereo is a DJ. And the way that she started was she Googled how to DJ in Denver. And KGNU, <laughs> the community radio station, came up. And she volunteered there and interned there. And now she's a professional DJ. She had a radio show and she has an entire community because she Googled the thing that she liked and found it in Denver. So wow, that would be my, that's my approach. That's a great story. That's some phenomenal advice. I love Thank that. Thank you. Molly, I hope you find these people because I know how lonely it can feel. I thought about, I moved to, I moved to New York for a year and I met like three people at the shoe store I worked at. Most of the other people I hung out with. Denver transplants in New York. So I get it. It's hard. It's really hard. So just try to think about things that you like to do and find other people that like to do those same things. Well, one thing Molly likes, and I, I have to give her a little space here for this. I think she had just listened to our episode on best brunches, but Molly added in her email that her go-to <laughs> brunch place is Ritual Social House. The food is so-so, she says, but the bottomless mimosas are choice, and they have touch tunes so I can get my DJ on at 10 a.m. See? Pretty good rec, Molly. 
Molly, you sound like you might be a music person. Remember, even if you don't play an instrument or you're not involved in the industry in any way, music scenes only work as an ecosystem if they have all the parts working. We need fans. We need people behind the scenes. We need volunteers as well as much as we need people that play music. So, you know. Fun. Well, if you are looking for a little bit of Denver advice from Bree, and who better to give it, text or leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show sometime soon. That number is 720-500-5418. Again, that number is 720-500-5418. Yes, please, please send us questions. I loved this question. I had, I thought about it all weekend. It was so fun. Thanks, Molly. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Molly. And Bree, see you tomorrow. Thanks, Paul. Bye. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, 2022. 2022. Nope. <laughs> I was going to give you a couple of takes of like just 2023 separate then and then I screwed it up. Am I dead yet? I was born in the 80s. 2023.